0: I'm Oz Noy, and this is Coffee Talk.
1: Welcome to Berklee College of Music's Coffee Talk by the Berklee Guitar Department. Today's guest is virtuoso guitarist Oz Noy. Born in Israel, Oz started his professional career at the age of 13 playing jazz, blues, pop, and rock music. By age 16, he was playing with top Israeli musicians and artists. By age 24, he was one of the most established studio guitar players in the country. Oz was also a member of the House Band on Israel's top-rated television show for more than two years. Oz has performed, toured, and recorded with countless well-established artists and won the highly acclaimed Guitar Player Magazine Reader's Poll for Best Guitar Riff on a Record in 2007, Best New Talent in 2008, and best out there guitar player in 2013. Oz also conducts periodic masterclasses at the Collective School of Music in New York City, Musicians Institute in Hollywood, California, and of course, Berklee College of Music in Boston, Massachusetts. Oz Noy is also the guest artist for Berklee College of Music's 2023 Guitar Session Summer Programs this June. Everyone,
2: uh, welcome to another coffee talk. I'm Kim Prelag, chair of the Berkeley Guitar Department. And um, we are joined as usual by our assistant chair, Cheryl Bailey. Hey, Cheryl, good morning.
3: Hey everyone, I have a very fancy mug for those that are watching. It is a mermaid goddess. Wow.
4: And
3: it's very I can put a lot of coffee in it. That's
2: actually why I really like it.
3: Mermaid also- goddess is just secondary to the fact that I can get lots of coffee in it.
2: Is it, though? I mean, doesn't it bode well for the day, don't you I think? think so. Well,
3: I'd like to think that.
2: We like to believe
3: these mythologies that give us hope. That's I, I, I think. the drinking out of the mermaid goddess. All right. All right. Cheryl thinks we need some hope today.
2: Yeah, we need some hope today in the guitar department. I have my guitar department mug, so I'm just I'm right in the right in the mix. Um, and we've got Ben Cody with us, our senior coordinator. Hey, Ben.
0: Hello. Good morning.
2: Morning and uh, today our special guest is Professor Oz Noy. Hey Oz,
0: hello. Good morning.
2: Good morning, um, Oz. Are you drinking coffee this morning?
0: No, I'm faking it. I'm, I'm not a coffee drinker. I'm a tea drinker.
2: Okay. What What about what do you do with the tea? Like what What's your tea
0: of choice? Um, I have. Um, I either do mint leaves. It's kind of an Israeli thing. Either mint leaves or there's a thing called verbena. It's uh, it's like a kind of lemony kind of um, leaves. So I mix them together. It's really good. That's my jam.
2: Nice. So you don't need caffeine in your life.
0: No, caffeine kind of messes me up. Uh, I'm 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 caffeinated enough. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'll drink drink decaf later in the afternoon, but I can't do anything in the morning. That will completely. I'm wired enough just as it is.
2: Oz, is that true? Even when you're on the road, when you're traveling, you don't need caffeine?
0: No. No. <laughs> That's great. Sometimes if I'm really tired, some boost, but usually I get it better from sugar than from caffeine, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so one question we ask everybody um, is about your first days at Berkeley, because a lot of the people listening are listening as they're coming into the school. Um so you uh, came in with us as a, a visiting associate professor this semester. And um, do you remember like what some of your first impressions were when you came up here?
0: It was a little shell-shocked because I didn't know what to expect, you know? But it was cool. Everybody was cool. It was pretty laid back. The students are cool. So I, I kind of jumped on it pretty quick, I think. I got the idea, you know? It was a little weird in the beginning to do like the... It's like being in a doctor. Being a doctor, every half an hour, somebody else comes in, <laughs> but it's cool, you know.
4: Yeah, like, yeah. that's it great. Kind of
3: like being a doctor, you write them a script. You know, you're like practice this for x amount of times every day, daily, and I'll see you next week and see if you're.
0: It's kind of you have to diagnose them. You know, it's the first, maybe the first two times they came. I was kind of diagnosing them. It's like, okay, you need this, you need this, you need this, and then you kind of start giving them the medications. You know, hey, practice this, you'll get better. <laughs> yeah, that's my. That's how I kind of felt that it was going.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Go ahead.
0: But I'm saying it's cool. I like it. You know, that's usually what I do. when students come here too. I don't have steady students much, so it's kind of the same thing. I go like, okay, let's play something or let's talk. And then I immediately can see what's kind of missing, you know, what they need to kind of focus on. You know? Do
2: you, do you think there's things that that people seem to have in common that that yes. are that they're missing? And what are those things?
0: Human there's two things, rhythm and human communication. Uh rhythm is just something that guitar in the guitar world we don't talk about much, you know, like You know when you play guitar you start playing chords you know then you start playing scales and then you start to shred and have a good time nobody talks to you really about rhythm like oh you gotta be in time you gotta feel the time you gotta you know no and and it's so important because if somebody doesn't have rhythm they can't play music really so that's the first thing i kind of tell everybody that the metronome is their best friends you know (laughs) because that's really important and that's something that I think that a lot of the students, at least that came to me, they're aware of it, but they're not really aware of how to properly, properly work with it in order to kind of make it natural. Because I tell everybody, if you can't play with a metronome, you can't do studio work, you're going to not sound good in live situations. Everything's just not going to feel good. So, you know, that's kind of the first thing in a way to get used to. And that's what I feel like... Um, <clears throat> It's not bad at Berkeley. I'll be honest. I've been other places where it was really bad. So there's understanding there, but I think to get to the point where it's it has to be like a second nature. That's what you know important.
2: Yeah, I I mean I think we have this a lot where students think yeah I know that, but their ability to demonstrate it, like yeah. you're saying, like it that it's at a second nature. They haven't gotten to that point yet. Yeah. And so when that's the case, what do you think is missing? Is it time put in? Is it like focus? What do you think?
0: I don't think it's, I just think it's time. I just think they got to get used to work a certain way. And that's it. I don't think, I think most people have re- good time. Some people have amazing time, but I think most humans can count in time and can feel time. So if you let those guys just practice, And with a metronome, like doing the basic stuff, just add the metronome to it, I think everybody will be fine, really. I don't think anybody has, unless somebody's got some real issue, brain, whatever. I think most people are just okay with it, you know? It's just getting used to it. It's just like getting it into your system, you know what I mean? As a part of what music is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the second thing that I think is a bigger... It's, it, that's a real challenge. Is 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 people are not playing enough with other. Like you have to interact with musicians. I keep telling them, I was like, listen, you can sit at home and do Instagram videos all day, but it's not reality, you know. And it's and 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 in order to really hear how you sound and live and with other human beings, you have to be out. You have to go to friends' places to jam. You have to. to We'll go to jam make bands, like everything that has to do with other musicians around you. Because that's really the only way you hear how you really sound, you know? Mm-hmm. If you're home and everything's really comfortable and you can stop every two minutes to do another take, that's not reality. You know, that's reality on Instagram maybe, but that's that's not real music reality when you're actually on stage doing stuff, you know? So that's, that's the thing that I'm trying to tell everybody, you gotta, even if you don't have gigs, get friends and play all the time, you know, just play with other people.
2: Do you think that that some of of them not doing that has to do with being isolated in the pandemic or do you think there's something deeper in terms of even having a hard time knowing how to approach other people and ask them to play or what do you think, what are you sensing that comes from?
0: I think it started before the pandemic. I think once the whole Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, once everything started to be in the box, everybody started to stay home and be in the box more than before. Mm -hmm. The pandemic really made it extreme, and it made it actually comfortable for everybody to be okay with it. And for the time being, it was fine, but now we don't need that anymore. So um, I don't know if people don't have the the people's skills anymore or they they need to get back into it like i don't know really what the reason for it is now but i think that's something that needs to be really people need to get out of their houses or at least out of their computer boxes you know right because it affects other parts of life too it's it's like it's loneliness you know and also I you know, I get all those students that come and go, so how do I get a gig? How do I do that? So it's like the way you get a gig is you hang and you get friends and they call you for gigs. Right. You know, if you stay and you post a hundred videos on Instagram, your chance of getting a gig is very, very low, you know.
2: Right. Yeah, I I think so. I think like we, we talk a lot about um working with students at Berkeley to help them as they start to kind of like in career development or professional development type stuff. And I think that there are a lot of things that in previous generations, we just sort of took almost for granted, because it was so normal. It was like, you know, I was playing gigs and I know all of you were here at 14 and, you know, because you found your friends and then you would rehearse with them and then you play one gig and then someone hears you. And then they're like, oh, we would like you to play here. Or I know someone who knows this, or you should play this other thing. And then before you know it, it starts to grow. And now we call that networking, yeah. But it's really a lot more organic than that. And it really does start with being able to, in the hallway, say the next person coming in for a lesson, maybe like, hey, do you want to get together and play? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And, and I think people want to know, well, if I do this, will it lead me to a job? And it's like, well, I think life is a little more organic than that. That's my impression.
0: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, I never went to school. I just moved to New York. But I think the, I think going to a place like Berkeley is amazing because you can meet so many people, like all the hard work that I had to do in New York just by hanging out. You have, If you're in a university, you have it all around you already. It's like all the connections are already there. So when you finish a year or two or three or four, you already have a network that will take you forever to get in other cities if you don't go to a school, you know? And this is an environment where people can play together and to see how everybody sounds. So... I always kind of thought, oh, man, I wish I would have gone to university just only for just, well, there was a lot of things I would like to learn that I never learned. But but only for that part of it, which I think is, is really important. I don't think, I'm not saying you can't get gigs through Instagram or online stuff like people do, but it's a different kind of communication and you don't really know what you're getting because when you see somebody doing a video that sounds amazing you don't know how long they worked on it you don't know how they fixed how long they fixed it because video is very um, uh, um you know it's not as uh, like you can fake a lot of things on a video you know you can play a wrong note and on a video you would know and then you fix it and everything's perfect so in reality when you hear somebody doing stuff um on video you don't really know how they sound till you actually play with them you can quantize everything you can make everything perfect so That's why the whole human thing where you meet someone in a hallway or you play with somebody, then you really know what's going on.
2: Yeah, you're right. I think it's, I'm going to throw it to you in a second, Cheryl, but I think it's like a both and kind of thing because there's certain things you can get by having a reach by using the social media, but there's also intangibles too. Like if you hear someone and they sound great um, online, it's different if you meet them because if you meet them and you know them, you know, all these other things about them. Like, what if they, what are they like as a person and what are they like to work with and what are they, you know, like what if you wanted to take a chance and kind of throw something at them that might be challenging? Like how would they handle it in the moment? You kind of know that more about your friends. And, and as you're building, I think sometimes those are more important. Cause I mean, I think of all the people that I knew in different cities from school. And I was like, I can really trust this person. If things go South in this concert, or if someone throws something at us, we just know each other well enough. We can make it work, you know? And so, um, <laughs> I want to, to ask you and Cheryl, like, I think in addition to developing that kind of skill set where you build relationships here at Berkeley, you both had the experience where you went to New York and had to do that in New York. And I think we get a lot of students coming in and saying, like, I want to move to this city. What do I do to get wow. set up? And and I, I would love it, Oz, if you talked about what you did to build relationships and start to that became your professional life in New York. And then Cheryl, I'd love to hear what, what you think about that too.
0: Well, my it was very simple. I moved from Israel in 96. I had a few good friends of mine from Israel that moved before me that were actually starting to do really well. Like Abishai Cohen, the bass player, and Omar Avital, the bass player, and a couple other guys that were already in the scene. But in reality, the only thing they did to help me out was they introduced me to a couple of guys at Smalls, because that was the scene at the time. Everything else was just me hanging out and meeting people, and everybody that you jam with or you play with, I would just go like, hey, give me your number, let's jam. And that's all I did, really. That was all maybe the first, I don't know, two, three years of my life here. That's all it was. It was just going to see music, showing your faces and all the places that you want to be in, meeting people, getting their numbers, and getting jam sessions going. That's all I pretty much did. That's how I started to get gigs, you know? I think it's kind of still the same, really, you know? It's like maybe no jam sessions, but going out, hanging out, meeting people, getting numbers, and, hey, let's do something, you know? I don't think that ever changed, you know? Am I right, Cheryl?
3: Yeah, it's very true. And, um, well... What I did was I have a drum kit and I have a Fender Rhodes
4: there you go. And a
3: place to play. Mm-hmm. So I could have sessions every day. So I would do that and go to smalls or wherever there were jam sessions, you meet people and then people come over and play. Yeah. So that's one thing I would say, get a drum kit. You can get one cheap and then you can have stuff. Um, you know, you can have people over to, to jam. It's not an issue. Um, and also I found, uh, I stumbled onto a little duo gig, guitar duo gig. So I got to know uh, all the guitar players because that's, who's going to call you to sub. Yeah. So then, you know, I, and, and I, and I, I call all these amazing people, you know, like New York, you know, like people that are, you might be on the road in their home in New York. So yeah. I, I met all these just incredible guitar players. And then, you know, they, hey, there's somebody new or they'll throw you whatever they can't do when they're on the road. So that's always my advice is make friends or find a gig with another guitar players because they're going to get up, you know, need us up for something.
0: It's kind of interesting how most of the like, you, like actually getting your career is like go or, or like your, your working career is more about personal relationship than about music in a way. You know what I mean? Like, you have to have the right attitude, but, you know, a lot of it is done.
3: No, I love that you're, I really love that you're saying this, because this is missing in so much of the conversation. And, um, to me, I would say, you know, it's like, uh, if you're going to to play basketball, you could work on your jump shot and you can work on dribbling and you can work on that, but that isn't playing a game of basketball. Yeah, Those are all little skills, but if you want to get good at playing basketball, you have to play the game. So yeah. I, I think there, I see a lot of folks and th- I think this was the challenge I know for me during the pandemic is we couldn't play together. So I, mm-hmm. you'd use a jam track, but yeah. then that puts you in a, like, I always feel like, well, you listen to the jam track, but the tr- jam track doesn't listen to you. So you're practicing. Yeah. So to, for me, at least personally for the pandemic it was trying to keep that focus of, being fresh and in, in the moment, even though I played over this jam track for two hours to keep oh. it because I didn't want to lose that skill in that time. But but I think this is what you're saying is it, so important that you, to actually play music or improvise music, you have to do it together. So you get your skills together, metronome, you get the thing, you just go oh. study, get your scales, all these things, those are skills, but the actual thing... playing
2: together and that's how you get good
4: yeah 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 Yeah.
2: and there's another part of it too the the last part that Oz said too. the part three is just how you are personally i mean even um like oz we had heard your i had heard your name a bunch of times even though i'm not a jazz musician but cheryl you went to do a record down in New York and ran and that's and it came back and said oh you know who I saw down there is Osnoy. do you know who that is and I was like oh yeah I've heard of him and then oh he's really great he was really fun to work with he was really cool on the thing and and then I was in down in New York and I saw Mike and Lainey Stern and they were like hey you know who's great Osnoy is really great. He's doing this classical thing too. Like Laney is taking lessons with me. And so I'd heard your name a bunch of times and everybody was like, this guy is awesome. He's super cool. He's great to work with. He knows what he's doing. He sounds great. And so when we really needed someone on the faculty, it was like, well, this is obvious because all the students are into your music, which is a given. Cause they've heard you do the second thing. And that means that we know that you've done the first part, like you really honed your craft and then you're out playing with a whole bunch of people, but then also like people really enjoy working with you. And that's why, because like, I might not have had time to sit and listen to every record, but like, that's the part that, that matters in a different way. Well, if someone comes to a place like this, Berkeley is one of those gigs where you're right. Like every 30 minutes, everything changes. Can the person adapt? What kind of person will they be in that situation? And, and I think people miss that sometimes, like sometimes they'll like, they miss all of it in different ways. I think like the first one where you really, really, really have to know your fretboard and know the style and know your sound and put your craft together, which is art, but it's also a lot of just like like you were saying, sitting with the metronome for hours it's and t- listening. To- yeah. Time. And then playing with other people. And then there's that part of how you are when you're with other people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you and- know I look at a lot of the students. They're really young. You know, I'm 50. They're like in their early 20s. So I kind of remember that time, like they'll morph to a lot of different things between now and the time they're 30 even, you know, so I, I think it's good to let everybody just be, you know, but if you can give them the right direction of how to work and what to do and what not to do, that will definitely help them in whatever they'll do in the, pa- in the future. You know, I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of a big part of the job of teachers in the, for, for people in that age, you know,
2: you know, going along with that, um, Oz, you and Cheryl, like often we'll come back and say that you were down playing a gig and people came, you know, like, is that, can you talk about that? Can you talk about it? Like if you're living in a new city and you go and see someone play, like, you know, as the person who's playing the gig, number one, it's good for you to see them. But then when they come up to you after, like, what are the things they should be thinking about saying, you know, like you, you want to go meet someone at a gig and you're nervous about it um, because you just moved to this new city, what's your advice?
0: I think, you know, I'm not a super forward kind of guy. I'm not like, I don't talk too much with people that I don't know. But I was, from what I remember, I still do it sometimes. If you like somebody, just tell them that you really like them. Like if you like the way they play, just go like, man, this was so great. You know, it's not a big deal. That's not like uh, getting into somebody's inner life. You know what I mean? that's just really a good thing to do because that's what you feel you know and i think i don't know if the first time the guy sees you and you go i don't know you see chris potter plays you go oh man you're so great i don't know if at that time you go like hey i'm a guitar player here's my number i don't know if that's a wise thing to do but i think if you go to see more of his shows and you see him around and you get some kind of relationship with him and then you never know. Some you, then he knows at some point you're a guitar. I go like, man, I'd love to work with you, a play or. Whatever. And you never know. So, people like artists always look for new people, you know. So you just have to be around more than anything and not being annoying. Because if you're annoying, people will like, Ugh, I don't want to deal with that. And it happens sometimes. There's people that are young that are a little too pushy or they're not quite. Relaxed enough, and you go like, "Oh God, I can't." You know, <laughs> Cheryl will know.
4: <laughs> no, I, yeah, Cheryl, tell
2: us, tell no, us.
3: It is sort of that thing of, you know, i somebody said, you know, ninety percent is showing up, and I, I so often, you know, maybe you don't feel like going out to see whatever, and you, I, I'm okay, I'm going to go out. I could have stayed home, but you go out, and then people will come up to you, and go, "Hey, I had to." I have a gig next week or, you know, sort of out of sight, out of mind in a lot of ways. Or they even will say, well, I had a gig last week for you and I didn't know you're around. And I was like, yeah, I was at home wishing I had a gig. Yeah. So I, it is really true. People just to be seen, to be there. But yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of, if, if it's an artist that you're interested in working with, I think, yeah, I, I think Oz is right. You, you want to, They would need to see you. Now, if you get in a place where you get to know them and they know you as a musician, I mean, I know several people that have gone to an art, you know, maybe like a legend artist that they really wanted to work for. And they learned their music inside and out and even went up to them and said, you know what? I know your book in and out. Yeah. And if I could have the opportunity, I'm ready. Yeah. And that means a lot to an artist. You know, to say like, wow, okay, this person really wants this gig. They've done their homework on my music. And I mean, I would say for myself, for what it's worth, I mean, I remember at one point I had an opening in my organ trio and the person who plays with me now and for many years and re- came to the gig, knew my book Inside and Out. And it's a big book and I could call anything in. And that I was like, okay, this person, they want to play with me. So I think that means a lot too. I mean if you if you get to that point past the I am showing up at your gig all the time and check it, you know, you you when you have that opportunity, be prepared for it. And and that'll make a big impression on on you know, maybe a gig you have your eye on, you think should be your gig.
0: You have to re- you have to be ready for the call when it comes, you know what I mean? Like you have to be really super ready for the call when it comes. That's why all the stuff, you know, you know, I have a bunch of students, they talk about this, oh, I want to do the studio work, I want to do this, I want to do that. And I was like, fine, first thing, you got to be super uber good with your time if you want to do any studio work. So that's the first thing you have to get down before anything else. And after that, you know, but it's like things like that, you know, you have to be prepared for the gig if you get the call.
2: I, I like that because I think in general... People are excited to meet new people, especially if you do it that way. If you come up to someone and you say, hey, you sound great. I really love your music. Everybody's excited. But then if it does turn into something where you are going to be playing, you have to really be ready. You can't waste people's time and you can't crash because then you won't get called. And then if someone asks you, hey, that guy was new how did it go? And you can't lie. You have to say, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust it. You know what I mean? And then that gets around. And so, um, it's not just the first gig. It's, it's, that's why the depth matters. That's why that first of three things really matters.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, right. And, um, I think, uh, I think wow. also there, Oh, sorry. There's, I just wanted to throw in there before I forget that there's so many students that, that want to go. And, you know, the first thing they want to do is take a picture of themselves with you to put on Instagram. And it's almost like that's the new autograph. Right. And I I remember I was 14 and this one guy was playing with so great, much older than me was like, never, just never ask anyone for an autograph ever in your life. You just, you say like, Hey, thank you for your music. You sound great. And you know that's it like you don't want to put the distance like if you're filming someone with your phone or taking selfies to put on instagram it's not the same as networking do you feel that way or or not do you think that's too harsh
0: i think in general the whole phone thing is too harsh but it's what well, it's what it is it's there, so it's nothing you know you know i wanted to just say one thing about the thing we've talked about before I think even if somebody crashes, it's never the end of the world. There's many, many opportunities, you know? So it's just the beginning, you know? We all crash and burn at some points on certain things. So it's also important to understand, it's like, okay, if you didn't get it this time, you'll get it next time. you learn what you need to do, and you do it better. You know?
2: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, Cheryl, what do you think about that type of stuff? Like, how do you bounce back? How would you suggest if someone takes a thing and they weren't ready for it they crash. like what's the best way to bounce back?
3: Well, sometimes we learn, unfortunately, sometimes we do learn more from our failures than our successes. Success is easy. you show up and you go, yeah. But when, when something like that, I mean, yeah, we've all had it. I've definitely had it. And, you know, or somebody said to me, very similar thing. Like there's one thing is to get the gig, the other thing is to keep the gig.
4: Mm-hmm. So there
3: could be that initial thing of someone hears you play, someone they're like, oh, that's and then you turn up and, and if you don't do your homework or something happens. But that, you know, I, I think the thing is, is you really this is the hardest thing about what we do is there's a lot of self-reflection and seeing, you know, am I I'm these are my strengths and and these are my weaknesses. And the weaknesses are the hardest ones to look at. So sometimes it is. I mean, I always. I had an opportunity when I first moved to New York. I don't know how they found out about me, but I had an opportunity to audition for the Saturday Night Live band, which one of our alum, Maddie Rice, has that gig now. Great player, and obviously she was ready. So, but and that you know gig is reading some pretty h- hairy stuff, and um, and you come in and you rehearse once and you do it anyway i didn't get the gig so but i had the opportunity to do it and and so that was like no to South. like you know i got these are skills i need to really work on that could have been a nice gig to have i didn't get it so you know that's a hard thing to look at but i think it's necessary that those are that is the hardest part about what we do being out at the face your weaknesses and and in facing a weakness, it then can become your strength, but you have to yeah. make that first step of addressing that.
2: I agree. Th- yeah, I think that's right. Go ahead, Oz.
0: I think also you have to accept that you're not going to be perfect for everything, and and you also have to expe- accept that people will want different things sometimes that maybe are not you. And it's, you're not supposed to take it personally, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I did this gig and then it ended or somebody didn't take me. It's not because maybe I suck. It's because maybe they want something else, you know? So that's another thing that's kind of, you have to be, you know, kind of aware. Okay, I'm doing my work. I do what I do. I try to do this as I can, but I would never, I'm not going to get all the gigs in the world. You know?
2: Yeah. I think that's, that's important.
3: really true. And one time somebody said to me, rejection is God's protection. And I kind of followed that in, you know, one example is I did an audition. I thought it went great. Like that moment you walk out and you hit it off with the leader and long surgery. I'm waiting to get the call, never get the call. And I call my friend who got me on the audition. I said, what happened to that? Someone else got the gig, but then it turned out and there was a little kind of political thing why well, the other person got the gig. But then it turned out all the gigs got canceled. This was like somebody who had been a star in the 80s and really burned their bridges. And
4: uh-huh.
3: really, Anyway, long story short, it turned out to be a horrible situation. The money wasn't <laughs> right. The travel wasn't right. Everything was terrible. And it was one of those things where at, at the moment I felt so, oh, what happened? And then later on, I was like, okay, there you go. You,
2: you've dodged a, a, a bullet there yeah i like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think so too i mean i've had those both experiences where i i remember one time i thought i was so prepared for this thing and then the level of preparation the others had done was like it was shocking and i and uh and i made it through you know i i made it through i knew enough to make it through the first rehearsal and then uh uh And then I left and and my friend who was like in the chair next to me was like, I was like, man, that was a disaster. And he goes, no, it's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but it's okay. You know, then I just went home for that weekend. I was like, okay, now I know like where I'm at here. Right. And, uh, and then I, I also remember coming to Berkeley the first time and there were so many people of many different styles that I didn't know. And, and I remember one of our colleagues here just said to me well you don't have to know everything because we have someone for that so just pick what you want to do and and then you you can easily say if you if it's not you that's for good for this there's someone else who's good for it as long as you you're okay with that you know and you're aware there's a lot of self-awareness i think you're both talking about right now um cheryl what else is on your mind for us
3: well yeah i mean um Actually, I'm kind of a metronome fanatic, so I'd love for you to share your thoughts about working with a metronome.
4: You can, you know, I'm, anywhere you. I'm,
0: I'm not a metronome fanatic at all. Like I'm not because I know people do all these weird exercises with metronome and stuff, and actually don't dig those at all. I'm not at all into that. I just think that it's so important to for any type of music that you're playing to be comfortable with a metronome. So. My, my, basically I don't have a system. My system is either playing quarter notes and divided the quarter notes or do two, four, when you're playing swing. That's all. That's my whole thing. That's all I accept of anybody. Really. It's nothing. I know people do this slow metronome when they put the thing on the four or on the three, I was like, to me, that's a waste of time. But if you can, if you do two and four and you swing with a metronome and you're in time, you're good. If you have quarter notes and you write on the quarter notes with quarter notes or eight notes or triplets or 16, that's it. That's all you need. To me, that's it's very simple to me. I'm, I, I don't take it too far. But, you know, so.
3: But in a way, I mean, as my friend Harvey S. always says, simple ain't easy. That's I true. Mean, you could say, I under, I under I deal with this every day. I understand a quarter note. But feeling a quarter note, I think, really is what you're saying. It's actually very deep, what you're saying. Like you're going to sit in that metronome and really feel it, not just have it on clicking. And when I hear you play, your groove is so deep. You are feeling right where that space is. And you can subdivide it and you can feel. That's the way how you can play the way you play in the pocket and and with the fluidity like that, and it feels great, right? It's not just, oh, put the so I think I think you're downplaying what you're
0: Well, I tell well, I tell students, there's a couple of things I tell students. The first thing I tell a student is like, if this is a quarter note, just hit the thing in the middle. You know, that's pretty much your goal in life, is just to hit the thing in the middle all the time. That's all. Then you have the perfect time. It's not easy to do. Nobody can really do it perfect. We're not machines. So that's how everybody gets their own feel. But the overall idea is just hit the middle of it. The other thing I tell students to do is to not look at the metronome. That Don't look at the blinking light. And the third thing that I tell them that is the most important thing is when you practice with a metronome, don't tap your foot because you're throwing yourself off the metronome when you're tapping your foot because... It needs to be an internalized rhythm, so I think if kind of students do those three things, I think things kind of internalize better. And you have to be aware, of course, you have to open your ears and go like, oh, well, this was a little off or whatever, but you get used to it, you know? That's that's pretty much all I got.
3: (laughs) Actually, that's a lot. I'm telling
2: you, simple and easy true. Yeah. I mean, that's your, you could, that's a lifetime of practice there. It should be, you know, and if it is, you'll have a great time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, Ben, um, there's a question that Ben asks that, um, at that Ian in, in previous, um, years on the podcast has asked, um, Ben, you want to jump in
1: with that? Absolutely. So Oz, what do you think is a question that students here should be asking whether it's to teachers or maybe even in some cases we've had some people answer with questions they should be asking themselves. Uh, but what is a question that they should be asking here at Berkeley that might not be that obvious that they would think of to ask? Oh
0: hard question. Give me an example like what? Like for example.
1: Uh let's see well uh, our Previous guest that um, Bobby Broome, he said that. Which actually turned out, the question was something that students really should be asking themselves. Is basically, you know, why am I here? Okay. Right? Okay. Actually, you know, you know, I guess sounds funny when you say it like that, but in the context of, of you know, answering when you kind of get into those hard times, whether it's kind of you know trying to to you know if you're struggling with some concept in school, or you know you're you know struggling in. in with your career as a musician at some points, you know, and you have to have that that question and you have to have that answer for yourself too, you know, why am I doing this? Why
0: am I here? I think the most important thing that they have to ask themselves is if they really love what they're doing. Because I feel like, you know, it's what is it, like 11 in the morning or something? I have my guitar in my hand. I love doing this, still. I've been doing it for 40 years, you know? I still really love it. I, there's nothing else that i like to do better, you know? So, so you know, when you're younger, you're still trying to figure out what you love to do. But I think you need to... I think the, quite the main question is, without thinking about your future or your finances or all that stuff, that is hard to not think because you have family, like parents and all that stuff. But the main thing, I think, is you need to do what you love because otherwise you're going to be really freaking miserable. So if music is what you love... And that makes you happy, and you can get better at it. Then I think you'll be good. Like people find ways, you know. Even if you don't become a full time musician, or if you do certain type of aspects of music, but you gotta do, you gotta love what you do, because that's what makes you better, you know. I think that's pretty much like the main, I tell that to everybody all the time, like, you know, if you, if you really like this, don't worry about, oh, but what am I going to do in five years? What I was like, you'll be okay, things will work out, don't worry, you know, just do your part, like, do your job, like, get better at what you love to do, you know, things will fall in place, you know. And also things change, you know, like somebody might be at Berkeley for four years and practice their asses off for eight hours a day. And then after four years or five years, he moves to a different city or, and suddenly goes, like, oh, maybe this lifestyle is not for me. It's also OK. You know, it's not there's nothing wrong with that. But you kind of have to at least know, OK, I love doing this. I don't love doing this. Maybe that's going to work. Maybe that's not going to work, you know. That's
2: one my... of the, yeah, I, I think that's great. I mean, I think um I want to pull it back to something super practical. Um Everybody's also talking about how they're going to develop their sound. And uh-huh. I wonder like, what are the things that you work on or that you did work on to develop the way you sound, like your actual tone? And um, do you feel like, there's a part of your sound that stays consistent no matter what you're working on creatively, like whatever project or whatever band that you're playing with.
0: Well, there's two parts of sound. Uh, One part of the sound is the actual sound of the guitar, and the other part is the way you sound musically. So in terms of the technical aspect of your sound, I think um, my own experience, it's just me talking about my own experience, I think you hear a certain sound in your head, That you really like, and you try to get to it all the time. It never ends. You know what I mean? I don't think I don't think I've done one gig in my life, or maybe I've done one that I play the chord. I was like, "Wow, this is it." You know? It's always like, "Oh, it's close enough to what it's supposed to be." You know what I mean? So. And to get to that, a lot of the times, if you know anything about gear and about equipment, then you switch it around for a while sometimes. Like, how many guitars, Cheryl, did you have to do? You found the one that you like, you know what I mean? So that happens, and that's that's the technical aspect of getting the sound. Now, <laughs> of course, it's in the fingers, but I don't think a sound is really in the finger. I think the sound is in your head, and your head tells you what to do, you know? So that's that's that part of it. And you know, if you know a little bit about electronics, it depends on what kind of music you're playing. But if you you need to know a little bit about technical stuff, like this guitar wouldn't do this sound, this guitar would do this sound, this, you know. So that stuff and those are things that just happens in in time, you know. In terms of your sound in music, um, I don't know. I, it's kind of funny. I, I I was I was doing something with Wayne Krantz one time. And Wen said something. Wayne's really good with uh, philosophy and talking about that. And he said something. It's like not everybody needs to be special. Like you don't have to. Have, not every guitar player has to have his own sound. You can just be a really great guitar player that has a sound that like twenty other guys do, and you still work. You know what I mean? So developing your sound doesn't have to be like some originality, original thing that nobody ever heard. Develop your sound; it just means you play really good music with a nice tone, and people dig it. You know, so that's the part I like. I, in terms of developing your vocabulary and sound, I don't really know how it happens. Like, I think a lot of it, at least with me, it just happened from the fact that I'm stubborn and I like a lot of different styles of music. And although over the years like i grew up in the 80s like now if somebody plays r b and rock and blues and jazz nobody cares but in the 80s if you would play heavy metal and in the same time you played bebop with a whole body guitar which is what i did everybody would go you don't go like oh you can't do that you have to decide you know so you have to be a little stubborn not listen to everybody and do kind of what you like to do and eventually this kind of this kind of soup comes out of it i don't know a lot of time, it's probably not on purpose. It's just what happens from everything you you know you you listen to and you practice. But I, but the, the bottom line of all of this is, I wouldn't stress out about that part of like getting my sound. I think you'll get your sound anyway. You just have to do the work. Because everybody hears something else in his head, and he'll get you know. Maybe this guitar sounds good to me, but it wouldn't sound good on somebody else. So it's that kind of stuff, you know? Maybe this pedal will be perfect on this amp for me, and then it will sound not good for... It's all those little things that you have to just figure out for yourself, you know?
2: I really like that on the heels of your last answer, because every time it seems to come around that all these things that seem big and conceptual are really just the result of practical stuff. Yeah. And putting in time and practicing and figuring it out, You know, and talking to people and just trying things and working on things. And I I think that sometimes there's this misconception that those things are separate, that there's like, oh, there's the conceptual, like the big ideas. And then there's what you practice. But it's really all integrated.
0: Absolutely. I also think this is from my experience growing up. You don't always when you're in school. I never went to school. I had a couple of private teachers in Israel. They're okay, not great but i wish i would go to school but i somehow figured out but the main thing is i remember one teacher that i had that really actually helped me he got me off like i was into a certain type of music that i really loved and he goes like, okay if you want to play that music you have to study bebop and i wasn't really into bebop, but i i was kind of i was open enough to listen to my teacher go okay he probably knows what he's saying and I learned to love bebop, you know, was Montgomery, Charlie Parker, but in the beginning it didn't touch me at all. So sometimes you have to do things that the teachers tell you to do to get to where you are, you want to be, you know? And that's important because I see students that are going, yeah, but I don't like this. I was like, well, don't like it for a little bit till you'll get to the next, you know?
4: (laughs)
2: That's so important. We were just talking about this this morning in the office that now that there's a different style of teaching that's more communicative maybe than what we experienced when we were younger which was more sort of like uh, mentorship you know the teacher says do something and you did it now there's a lot of times more of a conversation but sometimes what's lost in there I think is that when you're 20 you can't know what people who are 50 know yeah. you know and and i think that 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 system of like i'm i'm 30 years down the road ahead of you or 20 years ahead of you or 40 years ahead of you take this and and just work on it really hard or or go listen to this even if you think it's not for you what you'll discover that you didn't expect could be the key to the next thing and and i think a lot of the students are missing the key sometimes because they're too caught up in whether or not they want to
0: i think the key is to really trust the teacher that you're with and do what they tell you to do yeah that's the main thing because if i wouldn't trust the guy like when i grew up in israel i I had this one teacher that came from berkeley (laughs) he's a decent player he knew the berkeley thing and everything and he taught me whatever he could which wasn't a lot but it was enough but then i went to this other guy that came from new york and he studied with barry harris and he had a lot more knowledge for jazz And I just opened up to that, like I trusted him. Because if I wouldn't trust him, I wouldn't be anywhere. you know what I mean? So you have to really trust your teacher. Although in the beginning, he was giving me those exercises, I was like, no, that's not fun. But then after a while, you go like, oh, okay, but I hear it on this record, or I hear, oh, this is how it works. So you have to let the teachers kind of guide you, even if it's not fun in the beginning, you know? Mm -hmm. That's important.
2: Cheryl, I see you smiling in your square there. Yeah,
3: well, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with the Oz and, and Kim's with that. I mean, <clears throat> but I, I think that's important is that you need to find a teacher that you trust and, and they might, you know, advise you to step out of your comfort zone and they're doing that because they see something that, you know, they, they see something that you're going to discover that could change your life like that. So, you know, I think it's important to find, you know, when you find a teacher like that, and, and I, I mean, I definitely had things that, you know, my teacher would say, and I was like, yeah, okay, but I did it. And then the, you know, then the aha moment hits you. So yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to trust that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oz, what are you working on now?
0: Um, I just finished, um, well, that's I had this. Um, there's this band that I had. It was like a side project band called Ozone Squeeze. It's some. I call it my pop jam band because it was. It's got singers, so we jam, but there's songs. So I was able to finish this new album that just came out a week ago. It took five years to finish because of the pandemic and everything. So we finished a little tour. The record came out, and right. But so that's kind of out of the way. But um, till uh, till we do another tour. But um. I finished uh, recording a live album at the end of December with my band with Dennis Chambers and Jimmy Haslip. So now when this last Ozone Squeeze thing is done, then I'm going to start working on that album. And um, it's hopefully going to be released in September. Then we have some tours in September, October to kind of promote the album. That's pretty much the only uh, thing I'm working on working on. And I'm trying to do some... I haven't, since the, it started before the pandemic, but I haven't really wrote any music in years, like probably three years or something or more, so I have an idea of, I want to try and do some kind of organ trio thing, because I never recorded an organ trio, so maybe I'll get to uh, write some music for that, I don't know, I hope something will happen. And in the meantime, when I'm in New York, I've been doing this fun thing, because I played the bitter end for many, many years, So I don't do it regularly anymore, but I do kind of every other Thursday when I can. And I do most of it with two guitar players. So I've done a bunch with Nir. I've done, I'm doing one with Moreno, Do it with Kreisberg. I did some with Bonamasa. I did with a lot of, with Stern, we did some stuff. So it's cool. It's like a little, it's like a little venue where I can kind of mess around, bring friends and we can play. So that's pretty much all that's going on. You know? That's great. Um, Yeah. We'll get you in there, Cheryl. <laughs> Bring your distortion pedal.
3: No, hey, I, 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 I can
0: show
4: up. I'll be prepared.
0: I know, I know. Do my- it's, a, it's a little fun because we can. it's very loose, you know what I mean? So we choose, there's no like rehearsals or anything. We just choose tunes that will work for two guitars. Everybody's got their own sound. So it's cool. People seem to enjoy it because it's, It's just like mixing two people's worlds, you know what I mean? I like doing it. It's kind of fun for me, especially because I don't write now. So I don't have to work on any new music, but I want to still keep my chops and play. So I find a way to, you know, do it. It's fun.
2: That's great. That's really cool. Um, Hey, Ben, what are you thinking about as we're kind of coming to the end of our hour?
1: I, to kind of go back a little bit to what Oz was saying about sound and, and tone and all that, it, it really is, I think it sounded to me like it's just, it's so subjective to the point. I know from my experience too, it's like, it kind of like how, how you said with, um, you know, tone and, and worrying about, you know, how am I going to make money and all that really is something that the less you worry about it, it seems like the more it kind of comes together. At least for me, that was, yeah you know, the, the more... The more I just be like hyper focused on, all right, I need this pedal, I need, I need these pickups, or you know, this it, it would never. When when you just kind of step back a little bit and just play a bit, and and, and, and I guess you know when it comes to the, your career as well, in a, in a bigger picture, you kind of just kind of step back a little bit and just kind of trust the process of it all.
0: That's where. Now, well, in general, expensive amps do sound better, <laughs> but uh, yeah like expensive gear do sound better like the good shit is really expensive it's not there's no way around it if you plug into a dumbbell or to an old plexi you'll sound better than plug it into a 200 hundred dollar amp it's just nowhere around that but a lot of it like I, i've been following you before i went to berkeley because i've seen you doing all the rock stuff and i loved it when i talked asked you a couple times how do you get your sound and you go oh this little thing so you know no rules everything works <laughs>
2: Yeah, Cheryl, what about you? What's on your mind?
3: Yeah, well, thank you for joining us. And this was great to have a conversation because sometimes we don't get to hang and chat. And I really discover how, as I think of you as such a modern and cutting-edge modern player, how traditional you actually are oh, yeah? in your philosophy of music and studying. and And really so great that you're talking about this thing about yeah the human experience the human connection that's why we do this and um so i'm really i'm so thank you for joining us as our guest this semester and and you'll be a guest uh our featured guest for guitar sessions this summer so i thank you so much i know you have brought so much to the students you've been working on and i know folks listening to this podcast are, are really going to get a lot
2: out of it
0: awesome thank you for having me <laughs> yeah
2: as uh, do you have any final thoughts today for folks who are listening?
0: Uh, you know this is a funny thing. You know Steve Ferroni, the drummer. He's a famous drummer, He played with a Heartbreaker. He's like a very famous uh, studio musician. One time they asked him, um, they asked him, "Do you have advice for new, you know, for new musicians?" <laughs> I was trying to be funny. He goes like, "Don't get married and pee before you go on stage."
2: <laughs> we don't have any time to explore that so like everybody take that for what it is um as i i agree with everything cheryl said and uh it's it's just so great to get to work with you at berkeley and um thanks for being here and yeah, having come with everybody um and so um we're gonna keep hanging out um But uh, I want to say to everyone listening, you know, thank you, Oz. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Ben. And um, we'll be with all of the rest of you on the next Coffee Talk.